This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. I've got a poem for Tuberville and the rest of Loserville. I'm Jessica Denson, and this is Lights On. No, I'm not talking about the brainwashed and duped. I'm after the leaders deceiving their troop. I use leader so loosely, because lead they do not. And poor Lindsey Graham's at the tip of this rot. The truth, man, he knew it and said it so clear until Trump bought his soul year after year. His Georgia obeisance, now that was a crime to the special grand jury investing their time. And Fawny, we've learned, let Graham off the hook, but he'll be treated much worse in a true history book. All the crooks and cowards who helped a tyrant pursue, whether in court or in conscience, will all get their due. Just look at lawyers like Meadows or Rudy, who were shilling for Trump not their real legal duty. The same goes for Carlos and good boy Waltine, who are taking the fall for their boss's grand scheme. They must think, this Jack Smith, he's trying to scare us. But boys, just please look at you, Tavares. The minute he broke free, the truth spilled right out. And now the free life's what he's all about. Every moment is a chance for the rot to come clean and bring forth the blessings our nation will glean. Until then, they're desperately wielding their power, in vain, with intent for the righteous to cower. In the Senate now, freshman Tommy is the resident bluffer who cries woke with no meaning but to make women suffer. Now he's taken aback by our troops' love of poems, Never served a day in his life, so how would he know him? Hey, Tommy, leave our verses and anthems alone. And please, Alabama, can't we get back Doug Jones? Tom's been racist and tasteless, a coach with no game, now abetting our enemies for 15 minutes of fame. And speaking of coaches, how was yours, Jordy Jim? You attack Alvin, Fawny, and Jack, but turned a blind eye to him? Men suffered under your watch, and that was your test. Abuse is just fine to you. It's the law you detest, which is probably why you never pass the bar. Your committee assignment is really a bridge way too far. And whether with Jim or with Tommy, the silent enablers abet. They could rise up in a moment, but sure haven't yet. Of course, it's all about fear and their criminal dear leader not offending his base, who needs them to see clearer. No thank you, they say, to being loyal to truth. They've chosen a man or their money or the next ballot booth. And they miss that this whole calculation is short-sighted. They'll continue to lose and the wrongs will be righted. Now, I'm soon to be joined by someone who puts a real smile on my face for always putting these bankrupted hacks in their place. 
We are currently waiting, my friends, here on Lights On for Richard Painter, former Republican and chief ethics lawyer in the George W. Bush White House. He will be joining us any moment now, but I just want to welcome you to the show and thank you for indulging me in my poetry. <laughs> I haven't exercised my poetic muscles in a while, but I couldn't help myself with um, the attack on poetry from this coward named Tommy Tuberville. So there you have it for Tuberville, Tuberville and Trump and all of their ilk. Uh, as we're waiting for Richard Painter to join us, let's just take a recap of where we are. We learned today from the release of that special grand jury report that many others were um, recommended for indictment by Fonnie Willis's special grand jury, including Lindsey Graham, former senators David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler, um, others including Mike Flynn and Boris Epstein. Um, there is a very likely strategic reason that Fonnie Willis did not pursue some of these individuals, in particular ones like Lindsey Graham, who is or were sitting members of Congress. It could, it could introduce a whole set of gum into the works of her case. Uh, arguments of the speech and debate clause and so many other things um, to try to gum up the works. And I think she had her hands full with these 19 defendants, including Trump, that she did indict and um, move forward with the wisest path in that regard. Uh, I think Richard's Richard's in in the background, and he's just about to join us. I can't can't wait to bring him in. Let's uh, let's welcome Richard Painter to Lights On. Welcome, Richard. Well, thank you very much for having me, Jessica. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Um, you missed my my poetic introduction. I wrote a, a poem for Tommy Tuberville and the entire GOP and Donald Trump, but <laughs> you can catch it later. <laughs> sure, it's a good one. <laughs> I think they deserved every word of it, and and maybe I should write more. <laughs> um, but I was just I was just recapping what we learned this morning about the special special purpose grand jury having recommended indictments for um, others, including Lindsey Graham. What are your thoughts on this? Well, uh, Lindsey Graham, I watched uh, very carefully after the election. Uh, and indeed filed an ethics complaint with the uh, Senate uh, about his conduct uh, uh, in Georgia in particular. Uh, I believe he did have criminal exposure. I had a lot less information than the grand jury did, uh, but I can see why they, um, the grand jury believed he should be indicted for um, uh, with basic election fraud in Georgia. And I could also see why the prosecutor decided to try the strongest cases uh, and uh, to take a pass on uh, some of the uh, many indictments that she uh, very well could have brought and uh, perhaps obtained uh, convictions. Uh, we also keep, should keep in mind that uh, there are a lot of defendants in this case, and the more defendants there are, the more it could be slowed uh, down. Uh, and uh, of course, Donald Trump would like to drag this out as long as possible. So. Uh, the prosecutor, uh, Fanny Willis, used good judgment, I uh, believe, in, in deciding to, to prosecute the absolute strongest cases. That doesn't mean that the others did nothing wrong. The grand jury clearly <laughs> believed that they not only did something wrong, but that uh, they committed crimes. Yeah, putting his criminal liability aside, I mean, Lindsey Graham Richard really is a poster child for uh, moral failure in the GOP, isn't he? Oh, he's been a disaster. <laughs> I... Uh, at one point, he was uh, uh, behaving in a way about the Russia investigation uh, that I thought uh, that he uh, might very well be characterized as Vladimir Putin's favorite senator. I put out a tweet on that, and then I got a lot of grief about that when I testified in front of the Senate a Budget Committee. It was a hearing on climate change, and Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana, instead of talking about climate change, wanted to talk about that on my Twitter feed. So he starts asking me about Lindsey Graham and I had some choice words uh, for uh, Lindsey Graham. Yeah, he deserves it because I mean he's it's it's so it's so revolting because he knew the truth. He said it so clearly. Um, he he is exactly what the GOP needs if they have any hope in the world to rescue themselves and if they really do care about this country at all, they would all be saying what Lindsey Graham said in 2016. Well, yes, about Donald Trump. Uh, yeah, Lindsey about Graham, Donald Trump. Yeah. Flipped, uh, flipped. Uh, and uh, whether Donald Trump passed something on him or found out something through whatever sources, I don't know what happened there. But uh, Lindsey Graham has been uh, 
uh, carrying Trump's water for him for, uh, you know, a good three or four years or more. Yeah, absolutely. And you've got uh, Lindsey Graham carrying the water. You've got all the lawyers carrying the water. And I know you have thoughts about this because you're an ethics lawyer yourself. If you go on, if you go on right wing media these days, they're trying to make a case that this DOJ prosecuting um, or not really this DOJ, but Fonnie Willis prosecuting all of Trump's lawyers is like a banana republic. And that this is the kind of thing I remember hearing somebody who was a young woman who was a lawyer from like, Iran trying to compare this to things that happen in Iran under a corrupt regime. And I'm like, wait a minute. These are lawyers who betrayed their legal obligations to further a criminal scheme. I mean, this is quite different. This is no banana republic prosecution of, of, of lawyers, is it? Uh, no, not at all. We've had this problem with lawyers uh, for, for decades, uh, lawyers who will assist their clients in crimes and frauds, securities fraud, all sorts of financial fraud. We've got the lawyers uh, for FTX who were advising Sam Bankman-Fried. Now, <laughs> Sam Bankman-Fried wants to pull a, a, a advice of counsel defense. Uh, it was so bad. I don't think that's going to succeed. But uh, we've had lawyers doing this uh, for a long time, getting away with it, assisting clients with fraud, whether it's election fraud, financial fraud, and then saying, well, I was just zealously representing my client. And I think we've had just about enough of that. And lawyers need to be held accountable. We had a whole bunch of lawyers get in trouble in Watergate back in 1974, um, uh, and uh, including John Dean, the White House counsel, uh, who has subsequently appeared on CNN, uh, sometimes with me on CNN to comment on Trump. Um, but uh, we've been through this before, lawyers, and I think it's about time we make the point that there's only so far you can go for a client. You can't commit crimes for your client. You can't assist a client in a crime or fraud, including election fraud. Uh, you cannot lie on behalf of a client. Uh, and this, uh, this mentality that lawyers are there to circumvent the law for you help you get around the law, uh, we need to put a stop to that. And, and I think Fannie Willis is, is taking a step in the right direction. Yeah, just to give our viewers a refresher, it was eight lawyers, including Giuliani Eastman, Ellis, Sidney Powell, Jeffrey Clark, Kenneth Cheesebro, Robert Chile, and Ray Smith, who were the eight lawyers indicted in RICO, in the RICO uh, charge in Georgia. And what were they indicted for? Lying to the Georgia legislature, lying to Georgia officials, creating fake documents supporting fake Trump electors, harassing an election worker, soliciting the DOJ to make false claims about the Georgia election, pressuring Mike Pence to reject the electoral college votes, breaching voting machines to steal data and engaging in a cover up. None of those things are legal acts. Not at all. Uh, just because you're a lawyer doesn't mean you get to lie. Uh, and uh, this is uh, uh, there's been too much of this in the bar, uh, the idea that you just zealously defend your client. You'll do anything for your client. And what your client does is not your own responsibility. Uh, and it's, uh, we've been through this before with lawyers. Uh, we've had three presidents who are lawyers, uh, Nixon, Clinton and Obama. And I would have to say that only one of them, uh, Barack Obama, stayed out of trouble. Uh, two of the three got in serious trouble. And uh, I think part of it is that uh, lawyers spend too much time thinking about how to get around the law for their clients. Uh, not all lawyers, but there, there's too much of that mentality. And then, oh, gee, I didn't do anything wrong. It, it, I'll just blame it on somebody else. So Fannie Willis is doing the absolute right thing. And uh, we need to beef up uh, legal ethics instruction in our law schools. Uh, that uh, These ethics courses, some of the ones I teach, came in right after the Watergate era. But it's about time we... Uh, uh, we ramp up the ethics courses. Uh, the alternative is to have a continuing legal education program care of the uh, Fulton County District Attorney and the Department of Justice, uh, whereas I, I've said that uh, a room and board may be included in that program. Yeah, well, Fonnie Willis has her hands full dealing with uh, <laughs> criminal lawyers and people who never quite became lawyers, such as Jim Jordan, who sits ahead the uh, Judiciary Committee. It's absolutely obscene in Congress. He, of course, tried to obstruct with her investigation like he has in Manhattan with Alvin Bragg. And I'm sure you've heard about this, Richard. She just lambasted Jim Jordan for what she called an offensive attack on her investigation. She said, you're notion that different standards of justice should apply to select 
to a select group of people is offensive. Here is another reality you must face. Those who wish to avoid felony charges in Fulton County, including violations of Georgia RICO law, should not commit felonies in Fulton County. And I loved this thing that we have up on the screen right now, which is where she pointed out to Jim Jordan, because she's quite aware, I'm sure, that he is not a member of the bar. She said, for a more thorough understanding of Georgia's RICO statute, its application and sim similar laws in other states, I encourage you to read RICO state by state. As a non-member of the bar, you can purchase a copy for $249. <laughs> well, uh... <laughs> Uh, this whole business with Congress getting involved is, is absurd. Uh, these yeah. uh, members of Congress talk about states' rights uh, uh, when they feel like it, uh, and then uh, they're trying to interfere with the state, uh, the ability of the state to uh, prosecute election fraud. The Constitution makes it very clear that the states run uh, the elections, including federal elections, for senator, representative, and for electors to the Electoral College to elect the president. The states run the elections. Uh, and unless there's been a violation of the Constitution, uh, for example, the uh, 15th Amendment and the right to vote, um, unless there's been a violation of the Constitution uh, or federal election law, uh, the states uh, have the right to police their own elections. And uh, when there's election fraud in Georgia, that is not only the right, but the responsibility of the Georgia prosecutors to address that and not get subpoenas from the United States House of Representatives uh, because some political hack in the House is sympathizes with whoever is accused of election fraud down in Georgia. And uh, we, we cannot tolerate that in the United States. So I would tell Jim Jordan to take his subpoena. Well, I won't say what exactly what I tell him to do with it, but uh, I, I think you get my drift. And <laughs> he, he has about as much right to subpoena uh, Manny Willis and the Fulton County District Attorney as the Fulton County District Attorney has to subpoena uh, the Ohio State wrestling team to find out about what was going on there and how much Coach knew about the doctor there. Uh, that's Coach Jordan, of course. Uh, yeah. You know, I think everybody ought to be minding their own business. And uh, this is a state prosecution for election fraud in Georgia. And uh, we're going to let Georgia handle that. Yeah, and this is a, the same Jim Jordan who defied his own subpoena uh, to give testimony to the January 6th committee. So he has no respect for the process whatsoever. It's complete hypocrisy. And like I like I said in my poem, just complete, um, you know, doing this all, towing the line for Donald Trump, all, all of it. It's not in any interest of actual law or justice being carried out anywhere. Um, you know, turning from Georgia to Florida with the documents case, we we got confirmed this week what we have long suspected, which is that Yusil Tavares has entered into a cooperation agreement with Jack Smith. Of course, Yusil Tavares is that IT worker who previously gave false testimony regarding his knowledge of attempts to destroy surveillance footage. Um, and the moment, literally the moment that his lawyer, Stanley Woodward, who is being paid by the Trump PAC, was replaced by a federal defendant, he changed his testimony and told the truth. And um, to avoid possible perjury charges, um, he is now in that, in that cooperation agreement with Smith. And, uh, you know, also, like I said in my poem, this is a door wide open for Trump's co-defendants, Waltine Nauta and Carlos de Oliveira to walk through. Just stop doing the bidding for your criminal boss. Well, a lot of people work for Donald Trump gone to jail, including his lawyers. I mean, Michael Cohen, I've been on his podcast. And uh, <laughs> Cohen ended up going to the slammer on the Stormy Daniels payoff. And the feds uh, were happy to send him to the jail, but not prosecute Donald Trump. He finally got prosecuted by the Manhattan District Attorney for the same payoff, but Justice Department wouldn't do it. Uh, so we've had people over and over again who work for Donald Trump. They go to the slammer. Uh, his uh, chief financial officer from the Trump Organization uh, got some time on a criminal conviction for tax fraud, and, and yet the boss uh, is just sitting there on the golf course. So I think that some people may be wise enough and uh, figure out that they ought to um, they ought to cooperate. The other thing is that these lawyers who represent 
another defendant yet get paid by Donald Trump have a serious ethics problem uh, under the model rules of professional responsibility, rules 1.7, that exists. That's the actual binding law in just about every state. That that a lawyer cannot have a conflict of interest where one person is paying to represent another person if the lawyer then takes directions from the person who's paying them instead of representing the interests of their client. And this uh, business of Trump, or, or it's not Trump himself, it's a Trump pack uh, that raises money from various suckers around the country who think they're actually paying for his campaign, and they're really paying for lawyers. But all these lawyers paid by the Trump pack, um, they aren't looking out after the clients at all. They're just taking directions from, uh, from Donald Trump. And he'll, he'll toss all these people in jail while he gets off. That's going to be the plan. And I think some of them are figuring out that maybe that's not the way they want to spend the next couple of years. Yeah, it seems like an enormous conflict of interest, not to mention the fact that um, this guy, Stanley Woodward, who's like literally, I mean, how many people can this guy possibly represent? So many January 6th defendants, so many people in the Trump orbit. And Jack Smith has requested a Garcia hearing um, to I, correct me if I'm wrong about this this kind of proceeding, but to basically advise um Waltine Nauta and Carlos de Oliveira, that there may be a conflict of interest with their lawyer, who is still Stanley Woodward, who previously represented, who is now going to be a witness against them. Well, yeah, it's a lot of these lawyers, they don't represent anybody but Donald Trump. Yeah. I mean, they're not representing these clients. They're going to throw them under the bus and send them off to the slammer for a couple of years just to get and let them take the fall. Uh, and I don't think the judges should be letting people be represented by, by lawyers who are in this conflict of interest. It's unethical. It, it, uh, lawyers shouldn't be taking uh, cases unless they are willing to zealously represent their client, not uh, just whoever's paying them a bunch of money. Uh, so this, is a, this has been a serious problem. Uh, and this is, by the way, the way organized crime syndicates do business. Uh, you know, if you are working for an organized crime syndicate, you get a... a criminally charged uh the, the mafia or whoever will take care of your lawyer for you and uh you know it's really understood that you're gonna you're gonna do your time and uh you get out when you get out but you certainly don't roll on the mob boss because uh, well if you do your lawyers the least of your problems um but this is the way they they do it in organized crime they they pay for your lawyer they figure out how much time you much of a fall you're going to take and the boss of course uh, is untouchable. Yeah, speaking of doing your time and going to the slammer, I, I really wanted to shine a light on what's going on in Fulton County Jail because this is another just kind of, I try to do this on the show a lot, Richard, is is highlight the truth of who's really the victim in these scenarios because Donald Trump constantly tries to play the victim himself. Um, and our criminal justice system really does have a lot of um, you know, there is a lot of mistreatment of people within our criminal justice system. And and to be quite blunt, Donald Trump's treatment has been absolutely preferential and he's been treated with kid gloves. He's out on bond, a $200,000 bond that he had a, a bail bondsman post for him. You know, a small percentage, 10 to 15% of that is what he probably posted. Um, and he has the privilege and ability to do that pending these very, very serious charges. Many others are far less fortunate for much smaller bonds. Uh, a young man named DeWandre Delmore, 24-year-old, had a $2,500 bond. He was being held in the Fulton County Jail, and he died this week. Um, this is the sixth death in six weeks in the Fulton County Jail, the 10th death this year. Um, this jail is, is frankly, a, a human rights atrocity. If we can, uh, Jeremy or Adam, play that, that B-roll of the jail footage, it's absolutely obscene what is going on in there, the filth, the disease, the malnourishment. Uh, last year, a man named LaShawn Thompson, 35-year-old, also died prior to any conviction, just being held prior to charges. His body was literally found covered in bed bugs while being um, held on this misdemeanor battery charge. Absolutely unthinkable. Um, his family, thank God, ended up getting a $4 million settlement from Fulton County, but that doesn't bring their family member back. So um, just, you know, to put things in relief here and see who's who's getting treated how. Trump's no victim. 
Oh, it's uh, the criminal justice system is certainly in need of a lot of reform. Um, the the conditions in in prisons throughout the country. It's not just in Fulton County. Uh, we've had a problem right here in Stillwater, Minnesota, where they don't have air conditioning over there, and it's getting up to 100 degrees in the cells. So some of the prisoners refuse to go back to their cells, and and uh, fortunately they were able to calm things down and not make it into a riot, which it wasn't. Uh, uh, but this has been a serious problem, uh, the, the way we run jails, prisons throughout the, uh, the country. Uh, and it is a two-tier justice system. If you're rich, uh, you get out on bond. Uh, you get the fancy-pants lawyers. They'll try and get you, get you uh, out of uh, jail. Uh, Donald Trump, of course, fits in that category, along with a lot of the others, like uh, this uh, Sam Bankman-Fried fellow from FTX. I mean, he was, until recently, out on bail at his parents' house at Palo Alto, uh, playing video games all the time, and he only got sent back to jail because he wanted to uh, start some witness tampering and witness intimidation and ticked off the judge, and now he's upset that he doesn't get to have his vegan food in the in the slammer right. there. Mm -hmm. it's, a two, uh, it's a two it's a two-tier justice system for sure. Uh, and uh, uh, Donald Trump, by the way, is the one who said, whoa, gee, when the cops arrest someone, they had to rough them up a bit. Wow. Yeah. I mean, uh, and he, what happens with him, he goes and they didn't even put the cuffs on. He just goes in for the photograph so he can put the photograph on T-shirts and, and mugs, uh, coffee mugs to sell uh, to raise money. Uh, and yeah. it, was, it was a photo op day. Yeah. 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 Well, as a vegan, I am in favor of vegan food being served everywhere, but <laughs> not preferential yeah. treatment for billionaires. Not for billionaires. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's a he wants. Uh, Donald Trump is the same attitude. Uh, yeah. they, everybody ought to get the equal treatment. Exactly. So, you know, exactly. Business, let's have for everybody. And let's <laughs> but also the air conditioning situation. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, they're 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 like dying of heat stroke. It's unthinkable. Yeah. Absolutely outrageous. Yeah. Speaking of, I, you know, let's, let's continue to correct the narrative. We were correcting the narrative on who's being, being treated like a victim here. And I wanted to correct the narrative on something that I bring up periodically, but I know you had some thoughts on this, Richard. Donald Trump is, uh, you know, claiming and his, his sycophants doing it for him, claiming that this whole process is election interference. We've had a lot of discussion about enforcing the section three of the 14th amendment. They claim that that's election. Anything against Donald Trump is election interference. Interference. Well, let me give you a real live living example, me, of real election interference and how Donald Trump um, exercised it, weaponized um, his illegal non-disclosure agreements to silence hundreds of people, if not thousands, like I've said before, um, with illegal non-disclosure agreements while he was president, while he was running for re-election. Um, I've shared this before, but I'm going to share it again because, uh, like I said, I know, Richard, you have some thoughts on this. The language from the Trump NDA that was silencing, silencing people who had truthful, critical or, and or critical information about Donald Trump for his entire term and during his reelection. Uh, guys, if we can just put that up on the screen, the definition of, of no disparagement says during the term of your service and at all times thereafter, you hereby promise and agree not to demean or disparage publicly the company, Mr. Trump and Trump company, any family member or any family member company or any asset of, that, of the foregoing own, dot, dot, dot. And then it defines confidential information. And here's what's so obscene and ridiculous. That confidential information means all information, whether or not embodied in any media of a private, proprietary, or confidential nature, or that Mr. Trump insists remain private or confidential, dot, dot, dot. This is totally legally tenable, right, Richard? No, that's not enforceable. I mean, he's got a lot to hide, so I can see why he drafts it. Uh, but uh, and it's interesting, he wants to keep you from saying bad things about him even after you leave the employment of the uh, of the campaign, um, but it, that's not going to be enforceable. Uh, and he, he's been doing this for a long time. Uh, he's got his two ex-wives, I think, uh, have a non-disclosure agreement. For all I know, Melania has another non-disclosure agreement uh, going on, too. Uh, uh, he, he's been using non-disclosure agreements for decades to keep everybody silent. Uh, and uh, it's about time somebody stand up to him, which is what your dad and I'm 
And I think you did the exact right thing. If you go into court and no, it's not forceful. Uh, he's just uh, trying to cover himself because he's, he's a, he knows he's done a lot of things that he shouldn't be doing. Yeah, the tragedy is that as obvious as it is from a, a lawyer's reading as you are of this document, so many people don't know that they've signed an illegal ad a document. So many people uh, are obeying it and um, and allow their rights to be taken away. And even if they do decide to exercise their rights like I did, um, you know, they are basically threatened with bankruptcy like I was. Um, and so that's why you have to go to court. Um, and thank you, by the way, it's well, been the life work of my past six years. So thanks. Well, but I, 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 I lived in New York for a while. I have a lot of friends in New York. We all knew not to trust Donald Trump. Now, yeah, you I, know better. You knew you better. You were in the hills there, so maybe uh, <laughs> you had to learn the hard way. That I did. Guy, I learned the hard way. <laughs> this guy doesn't doesn't keep his word with anybody. He has yeah. the NDAs all over the place. He's yeah. not even safe in the uh, dressing room of the Bergdorf Goodman store. We all know about no. that. Uh, I mean, he's bad news. And people in yes. New York City have known that for years. But you go 50 miles west of New York City and uh, you start to find some people worshiping the guy. And uh, yeah. it's, it's you and know, it's, it's so sad. And I've and I, I've talked a lot on Lights On about my own awakening and also how I was duped. But part of it and this is really sad is that I'm you know, I am. Half Hispanic. I have a lot of friends from diverse backgrounds, and I was living and working in New York when Donald Trump announced his run. And the sad fact of the matter was that a lot of working class people, a lot of people from Dominican, you know, the Dominican Republic, a lot of Puerto Ricans, a lot of blacks, unfortunately saw him as, you know, a, a strong good businessman and did not know the, that background. New Yorkers. I'm talking about New Yorkers. So there was a certain, you know, sector of New York who was better um, informed, who knew better. And then there were other people like me, um, very unfortunately, who had been swayed by stupid, idiotic things like The Apprentice um, and this imagery who was totally blind to the worst of the worst, like the Central Park Five, I didn't even know existed. And, um, you know, we latched on to this facade he had created himself um, in 2016. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's a good, he can, he can sell, he can sell himself. Uh, uh, and uh, it's just a, all the way back in the 1980s. I mean, he was stepping people were working for him. Uh, the tradespeople didn't get paid, and then he sold about $800 million worth of bonds and the Trump Taj Mahal Casino. They didn't get paid off. It went from one thing to another, and anybody who interacted with Donald Trump ended up with a wallet being lightened uh, or maybe their career ruined. Uh, and then more recently, going off some people going off to prison uh, while he's just sitting there uh, smirking and going on to the next thing. And um, it's it's really tragic that uh, we uh, allowed him anywhere near the White House. Uh, and I sure as heck hope he's never there again. Yeah, we have to do everything in our power. Um, we're going to take a quick break, but I'm going to tease. I'm going to share something on the other side of the break exclusively here on Lights On. I've never shared it before. It's actually from a deposition of former chief operating officer for the Trump campaign in 2016 named Michael Glasner. He all but outright admits to election interference um, in 2016 and, and leading up to or leading up to 2020. So we're going to share that on the other side of this quick break. Fall is planting season. It's true. Many plants actually do better when planted this time of year, but you have to know where to start. That's why I love FastGrowingTrees.com. The experts at Fast Growing Trees curate thousands of plants so you can find the perfect fit for your specific climate, location, and needs. You don't have to drive around to nurseries and big gardening centers. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped to your door in one to two days. Whether you're looking to add some privacy, shade, or natural beauty to your yard, Fast Growing Trees has in-house experts ready to help you make the right selection with growing and care advice available 24-7. I don't have a green thumb, which is why I love Fast Growing Trees. Now I can have the healthy, happy plants and flowers that I love. Even if you're like me and don't have a green thumb, they'll make you feel like you do, just like over 1 million happy Fast Growing Trees customers across the country. Plus, with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, you can trust everything will be healthy for years to come. Listeners to our show get 15% off your entire order when you go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash lights on. 
but only through October 15th. That's 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash lights on. Fastgrowingtrees.com slash lights on. So Richard, in my um, in my legal battles against the Trump campaign, I <clears throat> kind of have two major tracks. I've had the NDA track <clears throat> where I've challenged and invalidated that NDA. And then I have the other track, which is my original human rights lawsuit against the campaign, which is ongoing to this day. We literally just this week filed a note of issue in New York Supreme Court, which is the trial level court. That's what officially puts you on the calendar or on the in the line to go on trial in New York Supreme. And this is having filed it in 2017. We're just now getting to this point because of the endless delay tactics um, of the Trump campaign and just the, the time it takes to work through the courts in New York. But we've deposed many people, um, including Steve Bannon, including Kellyanne Conway, and including this individual who I mentioned, Michael Glasner, who is the one who um, I, I met him. I didn't have any really definitive thoughts about him in 2016. He was the COO of the campaign. Um, and he's the one who <laughs> the campaign has given credit and he has taken credit for initiating a $1.5 million arbitration demand against me, saying that I had violated the NDA by filing that New York human rights lawsuit. And so we deposed him. And here, um, if we can put this, this, these two pages of the transcript up on the screen, he essentially admits that the purpose of that NDA was to keep criticism out of the public eye while Trump was running for re-election. So my lawyer here is asking him what injury the campaign suffered from disclosures in violation of the NDA. And he answers, campaigns are responsible for controlling and conducting their communications and their activities towards winning. And disclosure of confidential, you know, information, sensationalist allegations of this type was contrary to that goal. And then a little bit further down, now we'll just take a minute and, and call out sensationalist allegations because I never made sensationalist allegations. It's about the most milquetoast complaint you've ever read if you read my original complaint. <laughs> Not that there weren't outrageous things going on, but I toned them. I kept them as, as um, you know, just as straight as I could. There was nothing sensationalist about it. Um, and then he, he goes down and he, he says specifically Trump was running for re-election uh, in 2020. He said he was running for re-election. So the campaign was ongoing. And my lawyer asks him, um, is your allegation that Mr. Trump lost in 2020 because of Ms. Denson's complaint? And he says, it's hard to know, don't know. So he's basically alleging that violations of the NDA um, and that, that they were utilizing and weaponizing this NDA to silence criticism um, and interfere in an election, Richard. <laughs> well, first of all, a campaign is an employer like anybody else. And if you uh, are an employer and you uh, breach the terms of employment or you discriminate, you violate the Human Rights uh, Act, we have the Minnesota Human Rights Act uh, too. When employers violate it, they're going to get sued, and of course, they don't like being sued. I'm I'm dealing with some of those cases right here in Minnesota, and they they don't like getting sued, and they try to retaliate and all that. Um, but uh, the fact of the matter is that a, a political campaign isn't an employer or any different than anyone else. They, you don't waive your right uh, not to sue for sexual harassment or discrimination or uh, unpaid wages simply because you work for a political campaign, uh, they got to follow the same rules as everyone else. And uh, if you sue, you sue. And the idea, we're going to make you sign an NDA so you can't sue for your rights, uh, I mean, that, that makes absolutely no sense. It's not going to be enforceable. Uh, and that I'm sure that's their attitude. Uh, but uh, it's about time some judges just tell them no. Yeah, tell them no and and enforce penalties for their retaliation. Um, that's that's actually the part of the lawsuit that this addresses. A declaratory job is done. We we won that part in federal court, but um, they have to answer for for uh, the the retaliation, which is just written right into the NYCHRL code. So we're it is. It's the the problem. You got to prove it, and you got to yeah. have a judge who lets it get beyond the motion to dismiss stage. And yeah, dealt with some judges who don't have. To. We don't get that point. No one yeah. let these cases go to a jury. Uh, but if you can get beyond the motion to dismiss 
stage. You got an outfit like the Trump Organization, they reek of retaliation. I mean, that's been style since day one is retaliation. Yep. Yep. I'm well, I'm I'm hopeful and I'm looking looking very forward to it. Um, you know, just speaking of what the, the Trump organization reeks of, uh, I think they reek of so much corruption. Um, I, I was going back on your Twitter feed, Richard, and I and I noticed something that you posted from last month, which I just thought we should bring up because there's so much focus on Hunter Biden and some silly little gun charge that's never charged against anybody else. Hunter Biden was never an employee of the United States government. Um, and, you know, the, he's he's their mass distraction tool for the GOP to distract away from the corruption in the family of their dear leader. But you posted this shocking analysis of Jared Kushner's funds. We all know that he got $2 billion from Saudi Arabia. Um, and it turns out that all but 1% of a $3 billion investment in his private equity firm Affinity Partners came from foreign sources after he spent, you know, much of much of his White House tenure cozying up to them. So less than 1% of a former advisor to the United States president who happens to be his son-in-law, whose ex-convict father was pardoned by his father-in-law, Donald Trump, uh, leaves the White House, gets this $3 billion investment with no um, no qualifications for, for having such, uh, being given such credit in an, from an investment standpoint, and less than 1% of it is actually from funds in this country. Yeah, Jared Kushner was a walk and talk at ethics from day one. I mean, he, uh, first of all, he and... Um, uh, he shouldn't have been in the White House to begin with. There's a nepotism statute and uh, that the president is not supposed to be appointing uh, his uh, children or children's uh, spouses uh, to the uh, to positions of the administration. Uh, and the Justice Department came up with a memo that said he could work his way around it because it was the White House staff. So he could put Ivanka and Jared in there in the, in the West Wing. And then Jared gets involved in Middle East policy, even though he doesn't really know anything about the Middle East. And before you know it, he's orchestrating a $110 billion arms sale to the Saudi Arabians. Uh, now, we've, we've been selling arms to the Saudi Arabians for way too long. Uh, that's a whole other story. So it's not just unique to the Trump administration. But $110 billion, that's uh, a lot of weaponry to a country with a terrible human rights record. They're... Uh, bombing people in Yemen uh, is a very serious situation. I don't think they're doing anything good with our weapons. We shouldn't be selling them weapons at all. And then what happens uh, is that uh, Jared Kushner calls up the CEO of Lockheed Martin and says, actually, can you cut the price for the Saudis so they get it cheaper? Now, I'm no fan of Lockheed Martin, uh, but they, they're an American company. I mean, why are we telling an American company to charge less than the Saudis? Uh, what's going on here? Well, then within six months after leaving office, Jared Kushner is cutting deals uh, with the Saudi um, uh, Sovereign Wealth Fund where they put $2 billion into his companies. Now, if that isn't a kickback, I don't know what is. I mean, we can't prove it's a kickback, but maybe the House of Representatives and the Senate ought to be investigating that uh, and find out what's the deal here. Was there some sort of a understanding between the Kushners and the Saudis that if he got this deal through um, for the $110 billion worth of weapons, uh, that he'd be getting um, some in investment support for the Kushner enterprises, uh, because it certainly looks like a kickback. And um, I've been very upset about it. And uh, as I say, it's part of a continuing problem. We shouldn't be selling these weapons to the Saudis anyway. Uh, and uh, uh, but uh, Jaron Kushner had no business in that job in the White House. He abused it, and he, uh, you know, may very well have been a violation of financial conflict of interest statutes when he was there. Yeah, I think there's absolutely a very high chance of that. And it's absolutely scandalous what you're describing. I mean, what hope do we have? We don't have any hope with this current GOP in the House. But the Senate is led by Democrats. I mean, the Senate Democrats could launch their own investigation into this, right? Uh, yes, they should. Uh, and uh, uh, they should have launched an investigation. And um, uh, 
uh, you know, this shouldn't be partisan. I mean, there there have been some issues in the Biden administration. I, I think should be investigated. It's not Hunter Biden. I mean, he doesn't work for the White House. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, I, I think we should have a bipartisan approach here. And corruption is corruption. And uh, what's going on here uh, with the Saudi deal uh, clearly needs to be looked into. Uh, and a lot of the other things that happened during the Trump years. Uh, and yet we have such a partisan attitude toward investigations that, uh, that uh, we don't seem to get anywhere on that. No, there has to be there has to be a shift there. I mean, we can't. This is part of, you know, what I have demanded for so long is accountability for Trump, because you need it. You need accountability at the highest level to deter recurrence. And that goes for people like Jared Kushner, especially. I mean, when family members of presidents are brought into the administration, um, it, something has to be done about it. But uh, just to, to com compare and contrast where we are with Trump uh, and, and Biden, Biden, you know, likely going toe to toe with Donald Trump again, unless something, you know, there's some tectonic shift. Um, Biden has been a completely opposite uh, president when it comes to cozying up to dictators. He has been extremely supportive of Ukraine um, and really let the international community know what America stands for, that we're not the, uh, we're not shifting to the side of the strong men, that we actually are going to be that city on a hill. And I wanted to share this ad that the Biden campaign put out this week because I thought it was, I thought it was really good. It was the first time in modern history. Very significant moment on the world stage. That an American president went into a war zone not controlled by the United States. A nearly 40-hour journey in and out of Ukraine. President Biden left Washington, D.C. at 4 a.m. on Sunday. He landed in eastern Poland and then took a nine-and-a-half-hour train to Kiev. He entered Ukraine under the cover of night. And in the morning, Joe Biden walked shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder with our allies in the war-torn streets, standing up for democracy in a place where a tyrant is waging war to take it away. Air raid sirens blared as the two men walked together. In the middle of a war zone, Joe Biden showed the world what America is made of. That's the quiet strength of a true leader who doesn't back down to a dictator. Biden, president. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. And right on the heels of that, this uh, this CNN poll comes out saying, you know, there's all these headlines about Biden not having so much support. They say he's, you know, only has 39 percent support and he's, you know, very likely going to be toe to toe with Trump, if not be beaten by him. And sure enough, the CNN poll um, had a huge oversampling of Republicans. It was like 60 percent sampling of Republicans. And the margin of error for the Democrats polled was 6%. So there's a very, um, very, uh, I think, low credibility to this poll. But I think the polls get it wrong. I mean, I, my sense, Richard, is that there's a lot more support for Biden, even granted the lack of um, due credit that he should be given in the media more often. I, I feel like I feel like disapproval is not that high for him. Yeah, there are a lot of issues going on uh, here. I, I think you do have uh, some younger voters who, who would like to see uh, younger candidates um, in both parties. Uh, I think it's much more of a problem though on the Republican side. I mean, until they get finished with Donald Trump, I think the Republican Party is going to be paralyzed. And so there's a lot of desperation there with people who actually want to win. But the problem is Republican voters are um, seem to be very uh, a lot of the people say they're voting in the primary, say they're going to vote for Trump. Now, I'll see whether they actually do that, because they're also I mean, I, I think that uh, they would do so much better with it with another candidate. On the Democratic side, um, uh, Joe Biden's policies have been uh, effective. Uh, I haven't agreed with all of them, but uh, it's been much more effective than what we saw under the Trump administration. Uh, and on the international side, uh, the vice president uh, has gone to make it very, very clear that, um, that China is stepping out of bounds. Uh, and I'm glad to see that, that she's um, stepping up um, more visibly 
uh, in the national security area, uh, because I think the, if the, we're going to have four more years here, the Biden-Harris team and seeing both of them very, very actively involved is going to be very important, uh, particularly with an older president. Uh, but uh, the policies on the, on the whole is, is certainly a vast improvement of what we had where uh, Trump would go over to North Korea and cozy up with, you know, <laughs> and then he cozies a little with Putin. Love letters then, to Kim Jong-un. Yeah, and, and then tell uh, uh, Ukraine, well, we'll give you the military aid only if you investigate Joe Biden for me. Remember, that's what he got impeached for the first time. Of course. It goes on and on. And it's so obvious. It's all about me with Donald Trump. Me, me, me. He only cares about himself. And that's very dangerous in, in the national security uh, arena where we have all these dictators running around. Yeah, I'm glad you talked about national security because you gave me a perfect segue to something that I referenced in no small way in my poetic open to the show today. But uh, we've got this um, shameful, shameful GOP Senator Tommy Tuberville holding up these military promotions. I think at this point it's uh, 273 generals and admirals are being blocked from being promoted to their posts. And he has said that he won't drop the hold until the DOD drops its policy of paying for female military personnel to travel across state lines if necessary to obtain legal abortions. This is, of course, this is, of course, has been necessary in the egregious fallout from the Dobbs decision that has stripped so many American women of their fundamental bodily autonomy. Um, and so he's just on this, you know, PR campaign um, to do the bidding for, like I said in the open again, his dear leader Donald Trump in their base, um, and and the Republican Party could stop him. They really could stop him. They could take away his committee assignments. They could, um, you know, threaten to withhold pork from his district. They could they could force his hand, um, but they're not. And as as a result, he's really putting our military at danger in danger. Um, three secretaries, three civilian secretaries of our military, Secretary of the Air Force, Frank Kendall, Secretary of the Army, Christine Wormuth, and the Secretary of the Navy, Carlos Del Toro, did a joint appearance and wrote a column um, really calling him out. If we can play a clip from, from that appearance. Right. It's much more serious. Let me give you an example of how serious it is. The people who are our potential adversaries are paying attention to this. One of my uh, general officers from the Air Force uh, was recently at an embassy event here in Washington where a colonel from the People's Liberation Army of China taunted him about the, the way our democracy was working. Our, our potential adversaries are paying attention to this and is affecting how they view the United States and our military capabilities and support for the military. This needs to stop. You know, Jake, someone, forgive me, for someone who was born in a communist country, I would have never imagined that actually one of our own senators would actually be aiding and abetting communist and other autocratic regimes around the world, this is having a real negative impact and will continue to have a real negative impact on our combat readiness. And that's what the American people truly need to understand. Yeah. And Richard, this is from a party who pretends to care about our veterans and our military. And we went through this in the in the Bush years when I was in the White House in 2005 to seven, uh, the the uh, military policies, of course, of the Bush administration were extremely controversial. And there were a lot of Democrats who strongly disagreed with the Bush administration. But I don't remember the Democrats holding up any of the nominees uh, to the Department of Defense uh, because they disagreed strongly with the decision to invade Iraq or, or the interrogation policies, the, the torture memos, which I also made it very clear I uh, were horrific. Um, but uh, nobody held up any appointments to the military in those days. And if they Democrats had done that, uh, they would have been run right out, out of there uh, by the voters who wouldn't have tolerated that. And yet here, this isn't a disagreement about military policy. Uh, this is a disagreement about abortion. I mean, what does that have to do with uh, the Department of Defense? The Department of Defense wants to pay to transport uh, members of the military to have their their right, which is still recognized in states, including Minnesota, uh, the right to choose. And that's one of the benefits of serving in the military. They're not going to put you down there in Florida somewhere. And then if you get pregnant, you're stuck down there and they won't fly you home to Minnesota. Uh, we got to recruit people for a military and you're not going to if they're going to be stuck in 
uh, in some state that won't uh, recognize the right to choose. So the military makes that decision. Uh, but what does that have to do with our national defense policy? We spend $900 billion, almost a trillion dollars a year on our military budget uh, to keep this country strong, and yet they're going to hold up uh, the nominations for the people in charge of this uh, Department of Defense uh, because they don't agree on abortion. I mean, this is just crazy uh, that, that they're doing this over in the Senate. And, and I think they need to get these through, uh, every one of these nominations and not let uh, senators hold them up like this. Yeah, absolutely. This this showboating, this political theater has to stop. But just to give our 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 viewers a full circle from the poem that we opened with, let's uh, let's just play this ignorant response from Tommy Tuberville and the reference to poetry. We're losing recruits right and left. Uh, Secretary Del Toro of the Navy, he needs to get to building ships. He needs to get to recruiting. And he needs to get wokeness out of our Navy. We've got people doing poems on aircraft carriers over the loudspeaker. Uh, it, it is absolutely insane of the direction that we're headed in our military. And we're headed downhill, not uphill. Could we? When, when did we start having poems in the military, Richard? Do you, do you have any uh, background on this? I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I think we've had poems, you know, like anthems, ballads, you know, our, our national anthem. These are all really poems, are they not? <laughs> yeah, well, what's he complaining about? I mean, I, I don't know what he, he he doesn't seem to be making any sense. He's not coherent. No. Uh, why are we having trouble recruiting in the military? Uh, uh, well, uh, we ought to think about the conditions for our service people. And uh, one of them would be that if uh, if uh, a woman in the military gets pregnant and wants to go uh, to uh, often go home to another, or to another state and uh, exercise their right to choose in that state that, that they ought to be flown home um, for medical attention. And, and, you know, if we don't offer basic rights to our uh, recruits, then, of course, people aren't going to sign up. Uh, but there's a lot we can do. But I don't think there's anybody uh, saying they're not going to sign up for the Navy because somebody read a poem on the uh, on, on the ship there uh, this this he's, he's completely incoherent doesn't make any sense no no like i said can we get doug jones back please my god alabama did you have to let doug jones go <laughs> but um richard on the subject of of real patriotism there's you know i'm always i always have an eye here on lights on on real political prisoners around the world. And one of them who is never far from my thought is Vladimir Karamurza, the brave Russian dissident, previously poisoned, now imprisoned by Putin for basically speaking the truth about Russia's war on Ukraine. Um, this year, this week, he spent his second birthday, his uh, 42nd birthday behind bars in a Russian prison on a 25-year sentence. Um, his health has been declining. He was uh, secretly moved on September 4th out of the Moscow Detention Center and has recently disappeared from view. Um, the US, along with the UK this week, again, renewed their calls for him to be released. Um, this is what real persecution of political prisoners look, look looks like. Um, and, I, and I hope we don't ever take our eyes off of it. I read this really poignant piece um, that is up on the screen right now from Vladimir Karamurza's mother. It's called My Son, Putin's Prisoner. And she says, I survive with the help of a single thought. Since my son was arrested on 11th April, 2022, my life has been reduced to the pursuit of one obsessive goal, to see my son alive and free. Vladimir Karamurza speaking up for a silenced, oppressed uh, Russian voice and Russian people that do not want to live under somebody like Vladimir, uh, like Vladimir Putin. Well, Putin is a dictator, and he um, started off as an elected president 20 years ago uh, in Russia, uh, but he figured out a way to stay in power. And Vladimir Putin is what you end up with if you have a president who doesn't know when it's time to leave office and uh, just figures out a way to stay in power forever. And that's what we almost had in 2020, uh, 20, um, January 6th, 2021, uh, when a president who lost an election uh, was going to stage a coup, uh, an insurrection in order to keep himself in power. Uh, and uh, that's the way dictatorships are run.
And after 20 years of that, Russia, um, you see exactly where they are now, uh, waging wars of aggression uh, and uh, keeping political prisoners. You do not dissent uh, in Russia uh, or you, um, you disappear. I'm so glad you teed that up with um, the attempt of Donald Trump to stay in power. Um, one of one of uh, you know, I get sometimes I get I get retweeted or what do we call it now? Reposted, reexed, whatever the hell Elon Musk is trying to get people to say, but um, by by you know prominent people. But I have never been more honored than to have something retweeted by Vladimir Karamurza, and it was actually right before he returned to Russia, where he was then arrested. And it was um, I I put out a clip of his from an interview with Jim Acosta, where he spoke about his his indignance for the lack of accountability for Putin leading up to now. And I compared it to um, the lack of accountability for Donald Trump in this moment, if we don't, in fact, hold him accountable, which thank God we are on the track to do now. But um, I just wanted to leave us all with those words from 2022 from Vladimir Karamurza. Well, you know, Frankie, don't even get me started on this because it's, <laughs> it's uh, you know, I, I cannot express the feelings of frustration and frankly rage that a lot of us in Russia feel these days because we have been trying to tell the world for 22 years now just who Vladimir Putin was. And it wasn't any kind of enigma. It wasn't a secret. I mean, one of the first things Vladimir Putin did when he came to power in the year 2000 was reinstate the Stalin-era Soviet national anthem as the national anthem of the Russian Federation. I mean, Russia is a country of symbols, and this is as powerful a symbol as you can get. Uh, and of course, in the very early years of his rule, uh, Vladimir Putin engaged in a, in a intensive crackdown against democracy and civil society inside of Russia. I mean, very quickly turned the imperfect democracy that we had back in the 90s to the perfect dictatorship that we have today, you know, one after another, destroying independent media, opposition parties going after his political opponents, imprisoning opponents, then murdering opponents. Uh, we recently marked the seventh anniversary of the assassination of Russian opposition leader Boris Nemtsov, who was literally gunned down in front of the Kremlin in February of 2015. And, you know, all this time, Western leaders continued to shake Mr. Putin's hand and invite him to high-level summits and uh, try to find ways of dealing with him, you know, and looked into his eyes and got a sense of his soul and declared resets with him and so on and so forth. And this is where we are today, facing a large-scale war in the middle of Europe, facing war crimes, and I, what I would argue are crimes against humanity that the Putin regime uh, is conducting. And this was so yeah. predictable. This is what's enraging about it, because... There's only one way that the appeasement of dictators ends. Would you agree there's only one way the appeasement of dictators ends? By holding them accountable. Well, sadly, that's uh, what history has shown. By not holding them accountable is what gets us to this, yeah. Well, yes, and choosing them to be your leaders to begin with. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, there's... Um, one instance uh, in, in uh, recent, well, in the past 100 years where a, a convicted insurrectionist has been uh, chosen to be the leader of a major industrialized country. And that was a decision in 1933 of President Paul von Hindenburg of Germany to appoint Adolf Hitler as a chancellor. Democracy died within two months uh, of that decision. Uh, decisions uh, to appoint uh, insurrectionists and uh, fascists, uh, people without democratic uh, commitment to democracy to high-level positions, whether it was in Germany in 1933 or Russia when uh, Vladimir Putin assumed power in the late 1990s, those decisions can be irreversible because once they're there, you can't get rid of them uh, until there's a, they bring calamity down on their country and the world. Uh, and this, this is a very, very dangerous situation, and I just uh, hope uh, and pray that it never happens to us in the United States. Amen to that. And thank you for leaving that. That's what that's what we're all trying to do here, isn't it? We're trying to warn each other. We're not against MAGA. We're trying to help them and enlighten them so they don't fall victim to what the rest of us see is coming if we don't save ourselves now. Uh, Richard Painter, um, former White House ethics lawyer and author of American Nero, The History of the Destruction of the Rule of Law and Why Trump is the Worst Offender. Definitely check out Richard's book. Uh, Richard, thank you so much for joining me on Lights On. I'm really glad you could make it. Well, thank you very much, Jessica. Thank you.
Thank you everybody uh, for indulging me in my poetry and joining us this hour live on Lights On. As you know, it's always such a pleasure to have you. Um, thank you for tuning in to the recent special reports of Lights On that we've had, particularly on the enforcement of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. We're going to have some really important guests next week continuing that discussion. So thank you so much for tuning into those two. Um, if you're watching here on YouTube, please definitely also go over to wherever you get your audio podcasts and subscribe to Lights On with Jessica Denson. Um, it really helps spread the word and keep us, you know, up in, in on people's radar to get this message of, of informing our fe fellow citizens and demanding accountability and saving our democracy while we still can. Um, and also thank you as always for all of your, your feedback, your comments. It's, it's so, um, enlightening, educational, and just really, really heartwarming, um, every single week. If you want, as always, to help me with that, that lawsuit that I described today that is just, um, getting in line for trial, you can do that at thejessicadenson.com slash donate, thejessicadenson.com slash donate. Uh, we thank you as always for your support there. Thank you everybody for joining us on Lights On and have a wonderful weekend. Let your light shine.